Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Happy Wednesday. Always glad to be here. Always. Stacked. Stacked show today. Look at that notebook today. Stacked. I got about nine stories. So if I don't get to them all today, I'll get to some tomorrow. But I'm going to lead off today talking about this. Uh, the motives for now this Republican congressman who's an alleged libertarian, Amash, who's calling for ah. Trump's impeachment. What his alleged motives may be now? Because this is really disgraceful and has erupted into all kinds of schisms in the Republican Party. I got to get to that. I got to get to some more yeah, nice little tidbits we found about Masood, Mueller, Kavalek, all kinds of stuff. Don't go anywhere. Hey, one quick uh, programming note. Um, I will be guest hosting the Sean Hannity show on Fox at 9 p. Eastern on Thursday. It is Wednesday, I believe, today. Tomorrow, it will be Thursday. Please, (laughs) I humbly and respectfully, I mean that in in the strongest possible way, ask that you tune into the show. Last time I guest hosted, we were number one in all the cable news thanks to you, not me. I can only watch one time. Yeah, man. So please, watch the show live. If you can't watch it live, please DVR at the Sean Hannity show on the Fox News channel. Check your local listings. Uh, Be there at 9 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow on Thursday where I'm guest hosting. I really sincerely appreciate your support Keeping okay you busy, let's get dude. to the show yeah. then oh my gosh oh, yeah. you ain't kidding i know so we're gonna get well don't worry we're not missing shows here either though no. so don't worry about it but one other note ladies and gentlemen by the way if you ever miss an email we had a little bit of an email outage yesterday uh-huh. our youtube show loads every day regardless by 1 p.m 2 p.m eastern time yeah. it's always there if you miss an email like yesterday we had a little glitch in the email system you can always go to youtube.com slash bongino what's that Oh, or Bongino.com. That's right. It's my wife inside. Or Bongino.com and watch the show. I promise you it's always there. So we had a little bit of email glitch. Sorry about all the administrative stuff, but a lot going on. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at Liquid IV. I love Liquid IV. This is really terrific. I'll tell you why. I mean it. Um, I I live and work in Florida where it's hotter than Hades most of the time. And after my workouts, you take one of these packets. This is the acai flavor. And you dump it in water. And it's like super hydration. When I'm done working Hmm. out in Florida, uh, I feel like beef jerky. Sometimes turkey jerky. Because there's no water left in your body. Because it's 95 degrees down here with 1,000% humidity. You come out of the sauna, it's even worse. There is no water left in your body at all. Zero. The cellular functions are getting ready to stop. So you need liquid IV. You put, it tastes delicious. You put it in water. You drink it. Now, my wife likes it before her runs. She goes and runs at night when it's a little cooler, and she swears by the product. Paula, am I making that up? No, I'm not. Thank you. She, matter of fact, she just took it last night. Liquid IV is the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. There's no better way. You don't need to live in Florida to try it. It doesn't even have to be the summer for you to try it. You lose sweat either way. You can lose, you can lose sweat in 20-degree weather. By sweating a whole lot, losing your electrolytes. Yeah. Trying to drink more water, Liquid IV hydrates two to three times faster than water alone. It helps prevent jet lag when traveling. Also, if you had a rough night out, Liquid IV can kind of help you the next day too. Staying properly hydrated is one of the most important factors during music festivals. Liquid IV products utilize cellular transport technology, a very fine, specific, scientific ratio of glucose, sodium, and potassium when mixed with 16 ounces of water. It helps your body like a sp- Sponge absorb more of the water and nutrients you drink directly into your bloodstream. It's non-GMO, vegan, and free of gluten, dairy, and soy. It has clean ingredients. It can provide the same hydration as get a load of this, drinking two or three bottles of water. Here's what you need to do. I love Liquid IV. It's one of my favorite new products. I know you will too. Right now, my listeners get 25% off at liquidiv.com. When you use my code Bongino at checkout, that's 25% off anything you order at Liquid IV's website. Go to liquidiv.com, enter my promo code Bongino, get your savings and start getting better hydrated. That's liquidiv.com, promo code Bongino for 25% off. Start properly hydrating today. All right, let's go. Ding, 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 ding. Okay, what is going on with... Some so-called libertarians. Listen, I have always proudly professed myself as a libertarian-leaning conservative. Again, I don't like labels. They're, they're frankly meaningless. I believe in a series of ideas. Whatever label you put on them is up to you. Mm-hmm. But I do believe libertarians, who are a wing of the Republican Party, sometimes independent of the Republican Party, that support liberty, hence the term libertarians, um, are right on a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. 
the the government staying out of out of religion, the government staying out. I, I've been on their side in a lot of components of the drug war. Um, I've been on their side in a lot of components of international intervention by the U.S. military. When I think you know we should be more focused at home on securing our own borders, I believe the libertarians are right in a lot. Not all. Um, I have some disagreements. That's why I call myself a, cons- a libertarian leaning conservative. Right. Right. But I cannot believe what's going on right now. That some friends of mine who I I still consider friends and respect are somehow, I've been engaged in some Twitter battles back and forth, defending Republican Congressman Justin Amash, who claims to be a libertarian, who is calling unbelievably for President Trump's impeachment. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the motivations may be this. Washington Examiner piece about Justin Amash, uh, alleged libertarian Republican Congressman. Libertarians want Justin Amash to run for president by Steve Nelson. And he may do it. An article in the show notes today at Bongino.com. Please read it. Nelson, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because the motivations may be obvious. But I'm Mm. just going to suggest this to my libertarian friends listening. You're always welcome here. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to. If you don't, seriously, I mean that. You are always welcome on my show and I appreciate your feedback. But I'm going to ask you one very simple question. I'm going to move on. How, with a straight face, can you claim to support liberty, justice, big R rights, God-given rights? How can you claim to support that while supporting the impeachment of an innocent man who was spied on by the United States government using political information paid for by his opponent and assisted by foreign intelligence operatives whose Fourth Amendment rights, Papadopoulos, Page, and nearly everyone else was thrown out the window and you support the impeachment, why? Because he objected to the investigation that went on anyway later? But he may have obstructed justice. Justice oh. was never obstructed. The investigation continued. Mueller was never fired. Sessions was never fired. Nothing was, Rosenstein was never fired. Comey was fired pursuant to a memo by Rosenstein who led the investigation into Trump. Your point is what? That behind closed doors, the president was really upset about being targeted by a weaponized police state, intelligence, law enforcement cabal that went after him, and you claim to be a libertarian? I bring this up because I got a ton of positive... Listen, I mean this. I'm not throwing this out there to like spin your wheels and pat myself on the back. We get negative emails. We talk about them on the show. Yeah. I got tons of positive emails from real libertarians. Huh. Saying thank you. This is a hugely misguided effort by Amash. I don't know what he's doing. This is frankly bizarre because, as I've said, I was a vocal, vocal supporter of Amash. I'm pretty sure I made a donation to his campaign or him to mine. You can check the FEC records, folks. It's on, um, what is it, Open Secrets or whatever. I mean, I know there's donations of, because I supported I, I I always loved Amash. I thought he did the right thing when the right thing. But I don't know what happened. That doesn't mean that because he did the right thing in the past that this is the right thing now, Joe. I don't understand. You it. could be a morally. Yeah. No, I mean, Joe, listen. I don't get it. I, it's not a moral process. You know, I'm, I'm not I'm not preaching to you right now. But yeah, I know. people who did really bad things growing up become good people later. And likewise, people have done good things their entire life can turn around and be bad guys at the at the drop of a hat. Right. I don't know what Amash is thinking, but his history of doing good things on the side of liberty does not mean you have to drop and, and plant your lips to his caboose for the rest of his career. And the irony of this is one of the guys who I still respect but had a bit of a Twitter spat with yesterday, hmm. a, a, an alleged libertarian who's supporting Amash on this in the impeachment of Trump, said, well, you guys are just doing this because you're, you know, Trump butt kissers. We are? Are you crazy? Like, are you smoking crack? I I support the president when the president supports ideas we believe in, which is often deregulation, taxes, pro-life causes. Mm -hmm. But we've disagreed with the president on a number of issues on this show. Again, I don't need to establish my bona fides. You regular listeners know it because I get your emails. It's you who's bending down and kissing the butt of Amash that's the problem. You don't see that a Republican congressman going after the president of the United States who was illegally targeted by a police state weaponized intelligence law enforcement cabal may be a little bit of a problem for liberty. Your priority now is to get him impeached because he complained about it. Listen, I can't say this enough. Thank you. 
sincerely to the positive feedback to the real libertarians out there. But if you can't see what I just talked about as being irrational, how Amash's position is entirely absurd in a hierarchy of needs, fighting against against a weaponized police state, attacking people's civil liberties over the fact that Trump complained about it. If you don't get that, please, I'm humbly and respectfully asking you to turn in your libertarian card now. Don't you find it a little odd, as I tweeted out yesterday, that the only people who are supporting you right now in this alleged libertarian impeach Trump move are socialists, police state supporters, and big government Democrats? Oh, and one more. That's four. And the media hacks who support them. Don't you find that a little odd? You can measure a man by his friends. When your friends are socialists, police state supporters, big government liberals, and media hacks who hate you, I think you're on the wrong side of the issue. Just checking. Thank you again to the real libertarians standing up. All right, moving on. So, ladies and gentlemen, Mueller, uh, as we have up at Bongino.com, Bob Mueller... (laughs) the greatest story ever because people are (laughs) totally misreading this. Bob Mueller is afraid to testify up on Capitol Hill. I had said in the show last week, uh, my humble opinion, I I think the White House should absolutely, I think the White House should absolutely let Mueller go up on Capitol Hill and testify. I think the DOJ and Bill Barr has already said he's not going to stop Mueller from doing so. So now, If the Democrats want Mueller up there, but Mueller doesn't want to go up to Capitol Hill to testify, why do you think that is? Do tell. He's saying because he does, you know, his team, his team, Joe, is saying because they don't want it to be too political. Nonsense, folks. Here's what's really going on and why Mueller is afraid to testify. There are two reasons right now. Mueller is afraid to testify up on Capitol Hill, number one, because one of the first questions he's going to be asked by inquisitive Republican congressmen looking to get to the real bottom of what happened is going to be, hey, Bob, when exactly did you know collusion that you were hired to investigate a special counsel? Yes, yes. When exactly did you know that collusion was a hoax? Now, you may say, well, he could just lie and say, well, we didn't know, and that's why we investigated for 675 days. No, 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 no. (laughs) He is not going to get away with that, Armacost, and I'll tell you why. As special counsel, Bob Mueller was privy to the entire FBI case, (laughs) collusion case, that had been going on since July of 2016. Follow the timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. Bob Mueller is hired in May of 2017 during the Trump presidency after the firing of Comey. Bob Mueller is hired in May of 2017. The FBI case looking at collusion with the Russians and the Trump team started a year earlier in July of 2016. Mueller has all of that information. (laughs) Yep. Mueller has to know at this point early that the FBI has nothing. As Gowdy, oh, Gowdy, you know what? Before we get to Gowdy, let, let me let me take a note on this. This is important. Gowdy, uh huh. When? Okay. All right. Joe found. He's, Joe spent. Uh, Paula, we're gonna have to reimburse Joe. Joe, we need an expense report. I'll send it to you. Now, the Nunes translator yeah. cost a fortune on eBay. Paula, get the. We need a W nine and everything from Joe. All right. uh, so, Joe, send in an expense report. We're gonna have to compensate Joe because Joe managed to amazingly find a Gaudi translator too. Now, why do we need the Gaudi translator? Because just like the Nunes translator, right. when Gaudi says something, he says it cryptically and I'm here to translate for you what he means. I'm going to tie Gaudi to this Mueller thing in a second, but first, fire for the up. first time ever on the Dan Bongino show, fire up the Gaudi translator. Okay, daddy-o. Gaudi translator is ready to go. Yeah! Very official, very official, very professional too. The Gowdy oh, yes. Gowdy had said a while ago that at some point, Mueller must have sat these FBI agents, Stroke and others, investigating Trump for almost a year and said, hey guys, I just got hired to look into this. What do you got? And the answer, Joe, was we have ungots. We have nothing. We have zero. Zippo. Zilch. 
We have nothing. <laughs> Not only that, Mueller's lieutenant, Andy Weissman, who does all the hiring on the team, had already been briefed in August of 2016, before the FBI even opened the case, about the dossier being crap. He was briefed by his companion at the Justice Department, Bruce Orr. Yeah. Now, why is this important? Because Congress knows this. When they ask him the questions, Mr. Mueller, is it true your chief lieutenant in the case, Andrew Weissman, who hired all the special counsel witch hunters to go after Donald Trump, was briefed about the provenance or the origins of the dossier in August of 2016? Uh, yes, sir, that's true. So you're telling me, Mr. Mueller, that a year earlier, Andrew Weissman knew all of these charges you were investigating, these collusion charges, were nothing more than political opposition research by Hillary? Uh, yes, sir, I knew that. Uh, Mr. Mueller, why did you take 675 days then to figure that out? Uh, because I'm not really bright. That's not the answer he's going to give. That's not the answer he's going to a double motley. You shoot a double motley for that one. Yes. Yes, thank you. That was worthy of a double motley. And even Ooh. worse, Mr. Mueller, when were you briefed by the lead counterintelligence agents on the Trump case who had been investigating him for nearly a year? Peter Stroke about what he found. Uh, we were briefed immediately, sir, with a with a uh, with a bevy of documents he brought there. Did those documents show any collusion whatsoever? Um, no, they didn't. Uh, so what were you doing again, Mr. Mueller, for 675 days? Um, I was tanning my loins in the Bahamas. What is he going to say? What is he going to say he was doing? So number one question to bring this back, tie it to the lead here. Why doesn't Mueller want to go on Capitol Hill? Because he will not be able to answer the when you knew there was no collusion question. Because the answer, Joe, mm. is I knew immediately. Now, one more point on this. I neglected. Mm Hat -hmm. tip Andy McCarthy for bringing this up in a piece a long time ago. Andy! And it's actually in a National Review piece. Yeah, he's great. He's awesome. Uh, I have a piece Andy McCarthy wrote in National Review. It's in my show notes today that is so good about the broken verification procedure about this. But he brought this up a while ago, Andy McCarthy, and it's in this piece I have in there today. Um, if Mueller suspected that this collusion was real, then how come the June renewal for the FISA, right? Mm -hmm. June. Yeah. May, June. So there's a renewal of the FISA that happens a month after Mueller's hired. Less than a month because he's hired May 17th. So like two weeks. Okay. So Mueller doesn't even have his bearings yet. If that last FISA renewal to spy on the Trump team, if there was some there there... You get the joke? Peter Stroke saying there's no there there in the case. If there was some there there, then why was that FISA not renewed again? Why was it discontinued in September? Follow me. Yeah, yeah. Mueller's hired mid-May of 2017. The FISA's renewed for the last time just two weeks later in June, right? Right, right. It expires in September, that fourth FISA. Why didn't Mueller renew it if he was investigating collusion? Because there was nothing to renew. He knows the case is crap. He knows the case is crap. Ladies and gentlemen, all they have to ask are those three questions. When did Weissman tell you he knew the dossier was crap? When did Stroke tell you that the investigation he was conducting was crap? And if you thought there was collusion, why didn't you renew the FISA? He has no answer. The only purpose to the Mueller probe was to keep it open to harass the Donald Trump presidency. That is it. There is no other reason. So the first question is the infamous when question, which I, you know, I don't like hat tipping myself because it's totally disingenuous, self-congratulatory and self-praise stinks. But again, I don't like you to think you're wasting your time here either. The day after the Mueller report was issued, I was on Fox and Friends on my usual Saturday morning hit in studio because I was up in New York. I had been there for Hannity and he came in and uh, did the show himself. So I stayed to do Fox and Friends. And it was the first words out of my mouth. You can look at the hit. It's on YouTube. The first words out of my mouth we started talking about is the big question now is when did Bob Mueller know that there was no collusion? And I'm telling you the answer is right away. I just finished that portion of my book last night. It is my new, I'm sorry again to keep mentioning my book. I'm really not trying to bother you with it, but I did put a lot of work into it. It's called Exonerated. It's available now. Um, it's available now for pre-order. But I just finished that portion last night, which makes a conclusive case that Mueller knew from the start this case was garbage. 
So the when question. But there's another question Mueller's going to try to avoid. And it's the question we addressed yesterday about Joseph Mifsud. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the greatest spy story of all time. Caveat, but it's a spy story full of idiots. (laughs) People who could not cover their own tracks. Here's... Yes, our, our, our de facto peanut gallery. You didn't know we had a live studio audience to the show, did you? They're they're behind me, behind this television screen, behind me right here. Thanks, guys and ladies, for coming out. Appreciate it. Very nice of you. I love how you coordinate that laugh with Joe. Works out great. Joe's got a song. Remember in the old days? Laugh. Remember they would have the laugh tracks? They would have to put up signs for the audience. Mm -hmm. Laugh. Laugh now. The second question. When did you find out that Joseph Mifsud was not a Russian agent? Oh, daddy. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to listen to yesterday's show, and most of you have the background, but it's very simple. Again, it doesn't require any kind of detailed analysis to lay out. Joseph Mifsud is this Maltese professor which, who meets with George Papadopoulos in April of 2016, and he's the guy who is alleged to have told Papadopoulos about this Russian information about emails. According to FBI lore, this starts the whole thing when Papadopoulos repeats that to Downer. Simple as that. The, the, the anti-Trump brigade story is, look, this professor Mifsud was working with the Russians and told the Trump team person about the emails, mm-hmm. and then he passed it on. Collusion. What does that require to be true? And I'll get to Mueller in a second. I didn't lose myself. What does that require to be true? It requires Mifsud to be a Russian agent. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, right. none of this is hard. It's only difficult for liberals if you have a six-inch thick skull. And the facts can't penetrate because you've been vaccinated. Hat tip, my guy who made that up. You've been vaccinated against facts. <laughs> What's the problem? Nowhere in Mueller's report does it conclusively state anywhere that Mifsud is a Russian agent. It does this kabuki dance around the topic, Joe. Mm-hmm. And says, well, he had Russian connections. What the heck does that mean? Joe Arbacost has Russian connections. Yes, I do. I have Russian. I know Russian people. Yes, you what do. What does that mean? You have Russian connections. Joe, I've been to Russia twice. Yeah, I know. Oh, my gosh. Mueller's going to come to my house. Next. What is Russian connections? It doesn't mean anything. Was he acting on behalf of a foreign power, Mifsud, to influence our elections, or was he not? It's a yes or no question. Mueller never read the report. And by the way, these idiots, liberal, these idiot liberals, sometimes on Twitter, you didn't read the report. No, I read it. I spent a whole week and I wrote a book about it. I, I read every word of it. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in there does it make the allegation that Mifsud is a Russian agent acting on behalf of the Russian government. It doesn't say that. It implies it, with, but he's connected to Russians. I used to get my hair cut in Forest Hills by a Russian barber named Steve. I watched Chernobyl last night on HBO, which is very good, by the way. Are we connected to Russia, too? Am I in trouble? <laughs> I know. I, we should, technically, because you have Russian connections. Holy cow. Mifsud was not a Russian agent. But I have a little angle, hat tip 279, my buddy. Great right. angle. My source, he's always good. My source emails me this morning and he says, listen, your show yesterday is spot on, okay? I told you yesterday, was Mifsud, I think Mifsud was setting up Papadopoulos. I know he was. The only question is, who told him to set up Papadopoulos? In other words, the left story, Mifsud's a Russian agent. My story, he's not a Russian agent at all. Someone tells him to tell Papadopoulos that about the Russian emails because they're setting him up. Mm-hmm. Simple stuff. The only question left now is, forget the Russian story. It's bogus. That's an anti-Trump fairy tale. The only question is, who was Mifsud working for? Was he involved in a rogue intelligence operation, which was my original theory? Passing information to our intel people to make Papadopoulos look guilty. Classic entrapment scheme. Knock on someone's door and tell them you want to rob a bank with them. Then go to the police and go, that guy said he wanted to rob a bank. No, right. he didn't. You knocked on his door. Right. The only question is who told the guy to go knock on Papadopoulos' door? Well, here's an interesting poll by our buddy 279er. 279er at it again. He's like, Dad, don't you find it awfully suspicious 
that George Papadopoulos's name never appears in the dossier. Nowhere. Matter of fact, neither does Mifsud's name. That's pretty amazing, Joe, considering Christopher Steele working for Hillary Clinton to yeah. gather this information on Trump seems to be able to fabricate any other story anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So you would think Christopher Steele with his Russian sources, right? Trebnikov and Surkov, yeah. who he's now admitted yeah. are his sources. You would think if Steele had such terrific high-level Russian sources like he claims he does, Trebnikov and Surkov, Russian disinformation specialists, then why wouldn't they tell him about Mifsud? Why is Mifsud and Steele, excuse me, and Papa D, nowhere in the dossier? Folks, here's an interesting little theory here mm. that I think he may be spot on. Remember what Nunes said? We played the cut during yesterday's show. Mm -hmm. He seemed to hint at two options on who Mifsud was working for. Either intelligence friendlies in a rogue operation to set him up, or he asks Nunes, asked the question, was he working for a campaign or someone hired by the campaign to set up Papadopoulos? And I had suggested to you yesterday, was he working for Fusion GPS? But the real question is, Joe, was he working for Orbis? Orbis? the heck is that hmm orbis is christopher Steele's company oh yeah remember hillary yeah. hires right, fusion right. yeah and glenn simpson to go gin up information on trump they then take the money they get and outsource it to orbis christopher Steele's company can you imagine you want to talk about a, a again a tactical nuke here on the whole debate about what happened here if Joseph Mifsud was being paid by Christopher Steele himself through Orbis, can you imagine how damaging this would be to this entire narrative? If the guy who's... You're, you're darn right. If yeah. the guy whose information was dragged into the FISA court Whoa. paid a guy to make this whole story up, Whoa. you may say, well, I don't get it. What's your point with the dossier? Because Steele doesn't want anybody to know about right. Papadopoulos and Mifsud. Right. Remember, the Bureau only finds out about Papadopoulos later. Wow. When Papadopoulos, according to their own story, when Papadopoulos tells Downer. Now, This is going to get a little convoluted. I think Papadopoulos is the subject of a FISA early, and I think Steele is feeding bogus information to the Bureau and others about Papadopoulos, and the Bureau knew this, this whole story, but I don't think the Bureau knew who Mifsud was working for. <sighs> I think Steele was hiding it. That's why Mifsud's name does not appear and Papadopoulos' name does not appear in the dossier. They're trying the FBI now to cover their tracks and keep out the whole thing that this was a setup from the start that they weren't told about by a rogue source who was running his own intel operation. Can you imagine if that's true? It makes total sense now why Steele would not put the Papadopoulos Mifsud story in the dossier. He doesn't want anybody to start looking into who Mifsud yeah. was really working for. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It, you got that, right, yeah. Joe? Yeah, we're cool. Now, there, there are multiple possibilities here. I'm keeping open all avenues of interpretation, all but right. it doesn't change the story in the book at all. Papadopoulos was set up. There is now no doubt. There is no doubt. It doesn't matter who set him up. The fact is he was set up. We can get the details later, but it destroys the whole collusion narrative. But that would be fascinating. Imagine that if Steele himself was working with Miss Sud to put him up to doing this, had given him some money to set up Papadopoulos, and then Steele runs to the FBI and goes, hey, look. This guy just told this Trump guy about Russian intel, and the Trump guy, Papadopoulos, is talking about it. And he never tells the FBI he's the one who put him up to it. And then the Bureau goes and investigates Papadopoulos and gets a FISA on him based on information on Steele. Is there another dossier? Was there another operation like dragons all over the place? Was there another <laughs> operation going on?
to FISA Papadopoulos based on another dossier from Steele? Based on a guy he may have paid? Ladies and gentlemen, these are serious questions Christopher Steele needs to pipe up about right quick. And it explains perfectly why Papadopoulos and Mifsud appear nowhere in the later dossier compendium the FBI uses to start the Carter Page case. We need to open a case on Papadopoulos. This guy told us that this guy Mifsud is a Russian agent and told him about Russian emails and Papadopoulos is running to the Trump team with it. The problem is he didn't. Hey, by the way, that guy he told us, Mifsud, was working with the Russians. Uh, I think Steele may be working with him himself. Uh-oh, we got a problem. We better make up a story. Mm. Yeah, we heard it from Alexander Downer. Yeah, that's right. That's it. That's okay. how it happened. All right. <laughs> oh, folks, this story gets better by the minute. It is a spy story for idiots. I'm telling you, they did not cover their tracks. And I, I just have a little note here. Take the L. Folks, please, the FBI guys at the top who are running this, I, 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 I love the agents out there. You men and women are the best. I've worked with you. I've said that a lot. And I'll say it again. But to the people at the top, Comey, McCabe, Rabicki, Page, Baker, Prystep, Pianco, all of you, it's time to just come out and, and just tell the story. It's over. Just take the L. You lost. You lost. You were responsible and you were big, high-level players in a rogue intelligence operation against a political candidate for president. You got busted. I'm not even done with all my information. You got, it's over. It's over. Just take the loss and just tell the truth. Do the right thing. You can recover your reputation in the long run. If you do the right thing, I mean, even guys like Michael Milken, who was at one point like the junk bond king, went out to do charity work later in his life. Redemption's a real thing. But an acknowledgement of your past sins is a key component of redemption. I, listen, I don't mean to morally proselyte, you know, proselytize anybody here. I'm not trying to like be a preacher. But I'm a Christian. Christ forgave a murderer on the cross next to him who wanted to be remembered in heaven. Mm -hmm. It's You can redeem yourself. But at some point, you have to acknowledge your guilt. It's over. You have nowhere to run. Nowhere to run. All right. Today's show also brought to you by my buddies at GenuCell, my mother-in-law, my wife's favorite skincare product. We love GenuCell. Hey, listen, you ever just say, I wish this double chin would just go away? Your wish is our command with GenuCell's outrageous extended Mother's Day sale. Double chins, sagging jawlines, and turkey necks are real problems. <laughs> There we go. Up until now, <laughs> introducing the new GenuCell jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Now, I usually read Robin S.'s email from Lubbock, Texas, but I want to read an email from my mother-in-law. Danny, get me more GenuCell ASAP. <laughs> That's the email that matters. It's a one. Robin S. says, hey, I'm blown away. Right, listen, several people told me my face looks really young. My mother-in-law says the same thing. That's the email, right? Hey, listen, you could use expensive and really harsh treatments on your face to look younger, but why? Why would you do that? We have a simple solution for you. For this week only, get the GenuCell jawline treatment, which is yours absolutely free when you order the classic GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, you can see results in the first 12 hours, guaranteed, or your money back. Go to GenuCell.com, that's GenuCell.com, or text the word YOUNG, like the opposite of old, because that's how you will look, YOUNG, to 77453. And for a limited time, Shamini will include a second surprise luxury gift, absolutely free. Text YOUNG to 77453 or visit GenuCell.com, that's GenuCell.com, GenuCell.com. Listen, GenuCell, seriously, please get me some more stuff for my mother-in-law. I'm begging. I can't get any more emails. We love her to death. But that's the email. Danny. She, <laughs> more, more Jenny Cell. So it's like the more cowbell from Saturday Night Live. More cowbell. More Jenny Cell. She needs it stat. Okay. Um, I want to get to my some of my healthcare stuff. I got a lot of great feedback yesterday about my healthcare solution thing. Tons of great feedback. Oh, but some yeah. people were a little confused about what I was saying. So I want to get to that. But uh, I don't want to miss this John Solomon story at the Hill. Uh, they broke last night on Hannity. Uh, Sean Hannity's show has always been great for breaking this stuff. Solomon, uh, thehill.com. Christopher Steele's nugget of fool's gold was easily disproven, but the FBI didn't blink an eye by John Solomon. That will be in the show notes today. Again, another please read story that's so good. Um, 
here's what happened, uh, just in a nutshell about this, because it's very simple to explain. The evidence is now mounting that before the FBI swore out their FISA warrant that's to uh, spy on Carter Page in October, the evidence is now mounting that they absolutely knew Steele, dossier guy, was entirely full of, mm, you get it, mm. was full of manure. Now, I'm going to lay this out very simply. There are... I have five pieces of information now that'll uh, hark to uh, Solomon's piece as well from yesterday that show conclusively that the FBI had to at least have been extremely suspicious that their primary source that they said they had no derogatory information on. Don't forget that footnote in the FISA warrant. Our source, we have no derogatory information. They had tons of it. Here are five pieces of derogatory information from Solomon's piece yesterday in the Hill. We now know Steele meets with Kathleen Kavalek in early October, who's a State Department official. Why is he doing that? He says he's just meeting with the FBI. And he relays a number of pieces to information, which we have pieces of information, which she transmits to the FBI. Here we go. Multiple sources confirmed to me, Solomon, that is, that the attachment Kavalek sent to the then FBI section chief Laycock on October 13, 2016, before they swear to the FISA folks, was a summary from Steele's company, Orbis, alleging Trump and Russia might be communicating through a computer server at Russia's Alpha Bank. Oh, really? It goes on. The long-debunked Alpha Bank allegation has floated around Washington since the summer of 2016. Compliments of Hillary Clinton backers ranging from a university computer science professor who spread it across the internet to a lawyer for Clinton's campaign who delivered it to the FBI in 26, summer of 2016. Ladies and gentlemen, what does this mean? This stuff sounds confusing when you read it, but this is why I'm here to translate. Gowdy, Solomon, mm -hmm. Nunes. That's why I'm here to make this simple for you to digest. The FBI's primary source that in the end of October they used to get a FISA warrant to spy on Trump and they swear they have no derogatory information about. They swear is telling the truth. A month before they swear to the warrant, meets with a State Department official and says, hey, you really need to investigate this Alpha Bank connection to Trump Tower. What was the Alpha Bank story? Let me sum it up for you because it's so dumb you're going to laugh. That there was a bank that had a server in Trump Tower that was communicating pings to Trump Tower. And those pings were like a Morse code. And they told Trump when to pick up the phone to coordinate with Putin that there was an information. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, audience. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was not a comedy bit. We put the laugh sign up. Unfortunately, that's actually true. Yeah. A entirely debunked wackadoodle conspiracy theorists put this out on the internet that the Russians had a secret server in Trump Tower that was doing pings. Oh, pings. They were doing pings? Pings? The pings, Joe. Did they translate the pings? Was it like Morse code pings? Did it come <laughs> over in like uh, some kind of secret code? Folks. Oh, man. What's the problem here? Steele tells Kavalek about this before the FBI swears to the FISA. And this story had already been debunked by the FBI. Oh, you don't believe me? Let's pull up the New York Times. Yes, the New York Slimes. October 31st, 2016. Investigating Donald Trump, FBI sees no clear link to Russia. Look at the date. October 31st, 2016. This is right at the time the FBI is swearing to the FISA court that there is a link to Russia. Mm. Mm. But within the piece is an interesting little tidbit, snippet, portion, key point, takeaway, bullet. Here it is. In classified sessions in August and September, intelligence officials... Uh, that means John Brennan, by the way, briefed congressional leaders on the possibility of financial ties between Russians and people connected to Mr. Trump. Oh, really? So let me get this straight. They're talking about Brennan. Brennan, this is the Brennan-Harry Reid brief, brief right. in August, is also briefing 
Harry Reid and congressional leaders in the Gang of Eight about this ridiculous Alpha Bank story? Where did he get this from? Christopher Steele, maybe? No, Joe, that's not possible because Brennan's already told us he has not seen the dossier Mm -hmm. until December. He probably didn't see the dossier until December, but he was talking to Steele way before that. Right. Put that back. Yes. Uh Thank you. Put that back up. So, again, let me translate for the New York Times. So Brennan's briefing them about this Alpha Bank tip that had already been, been debunked in August. Meaning he's talking to Steele because Steele's telling the same thing to the State Department. The piece goes on. They focus particular attention on what cyber experts, meaning debunked conspiracy theorists, said appeared to be a mysterious computer back channel between the Trump Organization and the Alpha Bank, one of Russia's largest banks and whose owners have longstanding ties to Putin. Oh my gosh. The piece goes on. (laughs) (laughs) FBI officials spent weeks examining computer data showing an odd stream of activity to Trump Organization server and Alpha Bank. Computer logs obtained by the Times show that two servers at Alpha Bank sent more than 2,700 lookup messages, a first step for one system's computers to talk to another, to a Trump-connected server beginning in in the spring. Wow, this sounds really bad. The ping story may be true. Uh, No, the story goes on from the New York slimes themselves. But the FBI ultimately concluded that there was uh, could be an innocuous explanation like a marketing email or spam for the computer context, which is what they absolutely determined because it's in the Mueller report elsewhere. Follow me here. This is important. Key takeaway. Hack Johnny Brennan, who claims he doesn't know... Uh, steals about Steele's dossier and he hasn't seen it till December of 2016 in August of 2016 is very suspiciously briefing Congress about information he claims he doesn't have the Alpha Bank story which we know he must have gotten from Steele because Steele's telling everyone including Kathleen Kavalek at the State Department who passes it to the FBI wait I thought Brennan wasn't dealing with Steele He's lying. Brennan passes the same Steel Alpha Bank story, which is debunked, to Congress. He then passes it to Kavalek. Kavalek passes it on to the FBI, who then swears in court that they have no derogatory information on Steele, despite the fact, Joe, that on October 31st, 2016, the New York Times themselves is reporting that the FBI found out it was nothing more than an innocuous spam campaign and the story was BS. How is that, folks? How can both of those stories be true at the same time? Steele tells the State Department the same Alpha Bank story he told Brennan. The FBI, according to the New York Times themselves, no later than October 31st, 2016, knows it's a BS story. Kavalek emails her early October notes about Alpha Bank to the FBI that gets the email, the head of counterintel, saying, hey, look into this Alpha Bank. They already did and determined it was BS. And yet they walked into court again and swore to a warrant to spy on Trump, swearing that their source was reliable, knowing his signature story about the Alpha Bank pinger server in Trump Tower was garbage. This kills two birds with one stone. It kills Steele's reliability again for the thousandth time. Couldn't keep his Cohen story, Prague story right. Talked about Russian sources. Forgets the timeline. Mentions an Alpha Bank story the FBI already debunked. And it also entirely discredits Johnny B. John Brennan. And hopefully I'll get to this story tomorrow about this fight between Brennan and Comey and what's really going on. But it discredits Brennan's nonsense that, oh, I didn't see the dossier till December. Okay, you may not have seen the physical paper, but it's absolutely crystal clear 
that they're asking Brennan the wrong questions. The question is, when were you talking to people connected to Christopher Steele? Because it's clear Brennan is the one they're talking about who briefs people up on Capitol Hill about this story that only came from Steele. Take the L, guys. Take the L. It is only going to get worse for you. This has become, as I've said repeatedly on the show, the Beavis and Butthead cabal of idiots. Remember that show? I used to love it. It started on liquid television on MTV. Yeah, it was a Cornolio. I used to love that show. I probably lost about 50 IQ points watching it. But whenever Mr. Anderson would catch them doing something stupid in Mr. Anderson's trailer, did you guys do that? They'd be like, no, it was other kids. Folks, that excuse is not going to work in a criminal proceeding about your abuse of the FISA courts and your leaks to the media. It wasn't me. It was other kids. The Beavis and Butthead approach is not going to work. It is time to come clean. You lost. It's over. Take the L. Take the L. No one is going to save you anymore. Comey, McCabe, Brennan, Cohen, all of you. Nobody's coming to save you. It's only going to get worse. All right, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at ETS. You see this? Quite simply, the easiest way to load mags out there. Listen, you you ever load mags? When I was uh, in both academies, I went to Fletzy, the Secret Service Academy, and the NYPD Academy. We had, uh, if we would have had ETS speed loaders, we could have saved a whole bunch of training time. Why? Because we're constantly there loading magazines, which takes forever. Come on, you go to the range. Not only does it take up a lot of your range time, which is valuable and you're paying for it, but it beats the snot out of your thumbs, especially with new mags. If you get a compact or a subcompact firearm like I have, I have a SIG 365 and a Glock 43 and a Glock 42. The mags are tiny, the magazines, and the springs are super tight. You load those mags, your thumbs turn purple, and you're wasting a lot of range time. You need to get this device, the ETS speed loader. Loadmagsfast.com is the website. What do you do? You take this side of it, real simple. You don't even have to touch the rounds. You know how you open the box of magazine? Whatever, 9mm, 40 caliber. Slide it over the rounds. Put the top on. There you go. Magazine loaded. Thumb safe. Time saved. More range time. Best money you will ever spend. Your time at the range is valuable. Don't waste your time loading mags and giving your thumbs a beating. I found the solution. The ETS speed loader right here. This is the one for 45 caliber. It's terrific. Gets the job done in seconds. Don't even have to touch the rounds. Scoop them up. Plunge them in. You will never ever have to load mags again. It's so simple. This thing is super fast. Not with your hands at least. If you think loading uh, one round at a time is the only way, you'll never need uh, the ETS speed loader. But that's not the way to do it. This is the speed loader that's going to save you time and save your hands from a beating. I can't recommend it enough. Check it out. Regardless of your experience, the ETS loader is the easiest, no question about it, way to load mags and prevent mag thumb. You know the cramping pain you get in your hand and your, and, and your thumbs from that? That's what that's from. ETS makes a universal rifle loader and pistol loaders for 9mm, 40. This is for the 45. I have a bunch of them. They're really good. Thankfully, I have one for each set of rounds in case I go shooting. And 380. Check them out yourself at loadmagsfast.com. That's loadmagsfast.com. Loadmagsfast.com. Use promo code DAN for free shipping. Promo code DAN for free shipping. Loadmagsfast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best $30 you will ever spend. Save yourself time. Save your hands from taking a beating. Go pick it up. The ETS speed loader. Loadmagsfast.com. Go check it out. Okay. Um, I said I was going to get to uh, five pieces of information here. Mm-hmm. There are five pieces of information that have now totally discredited the FBI source who they said they had no negative information on. The first one we just talked about. Steele obviously was pushing this Alpha Bank server story to anyone who would listen brennan his intelligence contacts the state department the fbi the story is debunked the story is debunked it was debunked before the fbi swore the story wasn't debunked in court do you see how that's a problem (laughs) so tranche number one completely discrediting steel Alpha Bank is bogus. They know it. 
Alpha Bank in Russia is not communicating surreptitiously with the Trump team to a server. It is a story for stupid people that stupid people lapped up like a thirsty dog licking from a bowl. Second piece of information. Steele also tells Kavalek in that early October meeting, the State Department official, that the whole collusion conspiracy, as I said, is being run out of the Russian consulate in Miami. Folks, uh. <laughs> there is no Russian consulate in Miami. Kavalek no. figures this out in like two seconds. Holy Our reliable source said the whole conspiracy is being run out of a consulate that doesn't exist. Do you have any derogatory information about him? No, we don't. <laughs> what about the... Wait, he just said the consulate doesn't exist. <sighs> they ignored it. They ignored all of this. The third piece of information. Steele tells Kavalek, the State Department official, that he's only sharing information with his business associate and with the FBI. Which is odd. Because who does he tell this to? <laughs> Kavalek! <laughs> if you're missing the video here, we're giving the timeout time signal. Out. Can we get a red? Can someone send send us a red flag, please? Red flag under the hood for review. Oh, we need yeah. a, we need the uh, the NFL camera. You know when they go under the hood for review? Red, laundry on the field, as my brother says. He's insisting to the FBI. Don't worry, I'm Christopher Steele. I'm reliable. You guys know me. I'm only telling this stuff to Fusion GPS, my business associate, and you guys. He then tells Kavalik that those are the only people he's talking to. Kavalik doesn't work at either of those two places. She works at the State Department. What? Even worse. He also tells Kavalik that he's sharing information with the New York Times and the Washington Post. Am I missing something? <laughs> but again, no. FBI guys. Yes, this guy was totally reliable. Listen, State Department folks, I'm only sharing this information with my business associate in the FBI. Sir, you're here at the State Department. Darn, that's right. Um, and the State Department, too. Um, you just told me five minutes ago you were sharing the information with the New York Times and Washington Post. Did I miss that? Oh, I'm sorry, it's four people. Uh, but it says in the FISA you were only sharing information with two. Uh, yeah, you know, it's multiples kind of thing. It's fuzzy math. It's Al Gore math. But again, this guy was a re reliable source. No derogatory information whatsoever. Fourth piece of information. He tells Kavalek he wants the information out before Election Day. Why would you want that? Yeah. Why would you want it out before Election Day? The FBI's claiming in their FISA that you're an intelligence source. But your motive is on a political deadline, not an intelligence one. Maybe a key piece of critical information that points, Joe, to motive. Yeah. Kind of important. Yeah. You know what? I, that one's so obvious that I'm not even going to spend a lot of time on that because I want to get so much stuff to get to yeah. today. Yeah, put it out before Election Day. Why? This is an intelligence operation. No, no. It's, it's a political deadline. Okay. Fifth piece of information. When we see the redaction, this key redaction in Kavalek's notes, which she sent to the State Department. Kavalek does a bunch of checking on two Russians who are allegedly running this operation in the United States for the Russians. This whole uh, out of the consulate Miami that doesn't exist. Kavalek goes on to check the travel records of these two Russians. We then see in the middle of her checking these travel records, there's a redaction the FBI does not want us to see. Ladies and gentlemen, I've said to you on last week's show, and I'll say it again. God forbid that redaction is her checking Michael Cohen's travel records and sending on to the FBI that Cohen had never been to Prague when that is a key component of the dossier story that Cohen went to Prague on behalf of Donald Trump to set this up. If that redaction says anything like, I checked the travel records and Cohen wasn't to Prague, and then the FBI just weeks later swears in court that this Cohen-Prague story is true, which is in the dossier, oh, we have a real problem. That redaction is going to be key. Okay. Um, on tomorrow's show, I'm going to cover, because I got a lot of positive feedback yesterday about the healthcare solutions I propose. Because, you know, I complain a lot like others who are ashamed at what's happening with our government and the destruction of our republic right now. 
Uh, but I, I don't think I balanced it out with enough solutions. So I proposed my healthcare solutions yesterday. An idea, you know, some of them I've proposed when I ran for office myself. But some people were confused. Just to recap a bit, I had said that I gave it a three prong attack on healthcare. And the mm -hmm. first prong of that, uh, the healthcare solution, was uh, well, I talked about a di a direct primary care. In other words, doctors just showing up at your house and selling their services directly to you, which you pay for in cash via health savings account. That health savings account combined with, with a high deductible insurance, which was prong two. And then I talked about prong three, where I believe that doctors, hospitals, and pharmacies should be given tax breaks for volunteer services. And the logic, ladies and gentlemen, is simple. You may say, you know, I get if listen, if you're a class warrior, tune out now. This part's not for you. This is for logical, rational people, okay? If you're a class warrior, you want the government to take people's tax money, give it to drug companies, give it to hospitals, and give it to doctors. You want them to take everybody's money and give it to them. My story yesterday, am I the third prong of the text? Remember, direct primary care. Let doctors come to you and compete for your services. You pay them out of your own wallet to a health savings account that has tax benefits to it. Get high deductible insurance in case you need surgery or there's a catastrophe to cover, you know, life-threatening illnesses or, or health status insurance, meaning you, you only you get to utilize the insurance if your health status changes. Not if you get a cold. In other words, if you get a life-threatening disease, right? You get those two, the, the market will take over right away and you'll see healthcare costs coming down. But if we were to allow doctors in really hard cases where people are really poor and there are no viable options to take in these poor patients into their offices and give them their services for free, surgeries, consultations, whatever they may be, and to get a full tax deduction on that, doctors would be clamoring and hospitals and drug companies to give away a lot of their services. Let me put some math to it because I, it confused some people yesterday. Say, well, Dan, how can they take a, a tax deduction on revenue they never make? In other words, if a poor person who goes into a doctor's office isn't paying, then how do they take a deduction? I didn't explain that well enough, and that's on me, and that's why mm. I always like your feedback. Yeah. Let's say Dr. Joe makes a million dollars a year as a doctor. Not unreasonable. Again, yeah. I'm not a class warrior, so doctors are really smart. That's what you deserve. Good for you. I wanted to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. It's a great career. You make a million dollars a year. Your tax bill is close to 500000 which yeah. is probably about right. We, my wife and I pay about 40 50%. Mm. I can tell you right now, that's the tax bill if you're anywhere close to the top tax bracket, right? Mm-hmm. The doctor is paying half of his income to the government, which is then being given back to the doctor after the government takes a cut to service poor people. Say the doctor say, serves 100 patients for free. They're poor. They don't have the money. He does surgeries, hip replacements, consultations, and the value of those services, you can't inflate it because he has prices for everyone else too. Mm -hmm. The value of those services he gave away for free. He's not being paid. Say the value, Joe, is $300,000. He gives it away for free. He gets right. no money from it from the government or anybody else. Mm -hmm. Out of that $500,000 tax bill, that doctor gets to offset his bill with the $300,000, a direct dollar-for-dollar dollar deduction. Folks, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, the doctor gets to keep more of his money? Yeah, he's also giving away his time to help people. And now he doesn't have to take our tax dollars. This is a win-win. But then he's going to get the keyboard. Who cares? Who cares? Why do you care? Why do you care? Oh my gosh, it'd be even worse. You mean hospitals would be allowed to keep more of their money? Why do you care? A hospital makes, I don't know, $100 million in revenue a year. I'm making a number up. They give away $10 million in free services. Free emergency room care, mm. hospital care, surgical suites, ten million they give away. Their tax bill, if they pay, it depends on their status. Whatever, if a corporation, a lot of them are nonprofits, whatever it may be. Say their tax bills, whatever, a hundred million. They get a dollar for dollar reduction. They get to keep ten million more of their money for giving stuff away for free. We can't have that. We can't have that. We can't have them keep more of their money. I'd rather people die. I know you would. 
You probably would. That's what's really sick. Where was it? Bernie said, people will die. <laughs> they will. Drug companies. Drug companies give away their stuff and let them keep more of their money? Evil corporate profits. You'd rather die. So you'd rather be dead. Many thousands of people will die. Exactly. I knew you'd find that. I knew I just had to drop that hit. There's Bernie. They would. This is what they would rather have happen. Drug, com- drug companies make billions in profits. Who cares? Why do you care? If the drug company can offset a $100 million tax bill and save themselves 20 or 30 million of that by literally giving away their product for free to people who can't afford it, who will then live longer lives. Why do you care? Because we got to nail them to the wall. (laughs) Good for you guys. This is why I can never run for office again, ever. Because I'm not going to, I can't, I don't have the BSing gene. I just don't have it. Said to my wife a long time ago, I'm done with this. This political speak stuff. You're going to let the drug companies keep more of the money? No, I'm going to let them save people's lives. Well, I want more of their money. You want people to die? Of course you do. What's wrong with you? Let them give it away for free. Take the fair market value. They're not being paid for it. And just write it off dollar for dollar. These companies would be jumping over themselves to get that tax deduction. You think a doctor, a hospital, or a drug company wants to pay a $500,000 to $20 million tax bill every year only to have the money come back to them in the form of government subsidies? They'd rather just keep it themselves. Gosh, this is such an obvious solution. In conjunction with direct primary care, health savings accounts, which will function as the new insurance, and catastrophic insurance or health status insurance. It's just simple. But that's what I meant yesterday. I got a lot of emails on it, so I appreciate the feedback. All right, do not miss tomorrow's show. I didn't even touch uh, some uh, some tax stuff I said I would get to. I'm going to get to that. I got some interesting stuff on this battle brewing between Comey and Brennan that is just awesome. Uh, If you want to read the show notes today, you can get ahead of the story tomorrow, but it's fascinating. You're not going to want to miss it. Don't miss tomorrow's show. Please check it out. Please subscribe to our show on YouTube, youtube.com slash Bongino. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. It's all free. Helps us move up the charts. I really appreciate it, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.